Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. Didn't come up with a funny sidekick reference, but I am indeed the sidekick, Dylan Waugh. Just take my word for it. Today, we're going to be talking about the myriad. That's right. I busted out the three-syllable words of signings that have happened recently. And then, of course, we're going to have to talk about Hockey Canada and the latest of an ever-evolving story. Ken, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I would say you're the Fred Mertz to my Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> that one went over my head. That's I love Lucy. It's from a, it's from a long time ago. <laughs> well, we've done the like Radar O'Reilly to Colonel Potter kind of thing, right? We have the, done that one. Yeah. Okay. I think we've done right. that one, and of course, BJ Honeycutt to uh, 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 to Hawkeye Pierce. Right. Um, so before we go anywhere, check us out on Twitter at uh, Ken underscore Campbell 27 underscore Dylan Waugh. Of course, hockey, at Hockey No Filter. And most importantly, check out KenCampbell.substack.com for your... What's that? I've been busy. <laughs> Ken has been busy, actually. There's been about four articles in the last day and a half. Um, so we're going to start off and talk about the signings. So we're going to start with the light stuff. Because uh, obviously after that, we're going to get into Hockey Canada. There's a a very uh, sincere trigger warning there. And of course, if you're feeling inundated with this stuff, then, you know, feel free to turn us off right then and there. It's uh, give you, you know, full permission. So we'll start off with the with the fun stuff and then we'll uh, try to make that um, uh, horrific transition. So signings, these are not all free agent signings. Some of them are. RFAs, some of them are re-ups, some of them are whatever. But we are going to do a rapid fire of a bunch of signings. All right. Are you ready for the first one? Yep. Billy Huso, Detroit Red Wings, three years, $4.75 million. Has the potential to look like a stroke of genius if it works out, but that's a big if. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of, uh, he doesn't have a lot of track record in the NHL. No, he uh, doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. The the number one thing is, and we'll see this as a theme. I think that Detroit is trying to make a me- to, uh, show that they are built, they are done rebuilding, and uh, you don't do that unless you have a good goalie between the pipes. And this year's goalie cl- draft was uh, goalie class was extremely weak. Yeah, Huso was on the upper end of that. You know, I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate a tandem of Alex Nedeljkovic and Ville Huso. I don't hate it. Oh, I like Nedeljkovic. 
Yeah. I, I think that he's got the potential to be a good goalie yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't hate that tandem for sure. Yeah. Uh Anthony D'Angelo in Philadelphia, two years at five mil per. Just it's worth every penny just to see him and John Tortorella together. Worth every <laughs> penny. Worth every penny. And I, I predict that they are gonna love each other. I predict that Anthony D'Angelo and John Tortorella are gonna get along famously. First of all, because I think that the the, the notion that players don't like playing for John Tortorella is hugely exaggerated. Any player, I, most, almost all the players I've talked to actually liked playing for him because you know where you stand, um, yeah. and there's there's not a lot of wiggle room, and and players generally just want to be told what's expected of them, yeah, and and then they go out and perform. So uh, yeah. that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. I mean, Philadelphia is going to be just god awful. They're going to yeah. be just terrible. They're they're you know they're in the tankathon sweepstakes without question. Yeah. Um, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, my only thought is just one more piece of irony in this city, the aptly named city of brotherly love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Philip Forsberg, Nashville, eight years, 8.5 mil. Um, yeah. Um, just one of those ones that just feels right. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's been there. Ever since he got stolen by uh, by by David Poyle from the Washington Capitals before he ever played a game, and he's been a he's been a legacy player. Like he's only twenty seven years old, so it's not like you're signing a you know a thirty one year old, soon to be thirty two year old Nazem Kadri to an eight year deal. Um, right. You know, you're signing you're signing a guy who's twenty seven who will still be you know in his mid thirties when this deal comes up. Um, you know, the salary cap is probably going to go up. Um, had a great year this year, responded really, really well to the challenge that, that uh, Nashville coach John Hines put in front of him, as did a couple of other players. And I think they've just got something going in Nashville. I mean, they've got those three guys up front. You know, Tanner Genoa had a great rookie year. Um, you know, Roman Yossi is Roman Yossi. And, yeah. uh, and uh, UC Saros is, uh, you know, is a Vezina finalist who, who uh, you know, picks right up where uh, – where, um, Becca Rene left off. So I, I, I think that, you know, if you want to, if you fancy yourself a team that wants to stay at least in the, in the, in the, in the hunt, um, you know, you can't really let this guy go. Yeah. I, I, I worry about what Nashville is. Um, they are, you know, they're in the mushy middle, right? To be frank about it. Yep. Oh, there's your hurricane blowing in, eh? No, it's, t- it's supposed to be a tornado, actually. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. This dispatch today is from the Grand Bend Bureau of Hockey Unfiltered. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I worry about what Nashville is. I just like, the, you know, they might take a step forward from last year to to this year. But it, it, even if they do that, then what? They they go out in seven in the first round, like. And, and eight years bringing him to 35. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you just don't, you, you can't let a guy like that just go, but at the same time, yeah, I, I, you know, Nashville's a team that concerns me. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it, it was a, it was kind of one of those no brainer signings. Um, you know, if you want to be, like I say, if you want to, if you want to keep moving forward, you know, you've still got Roman Yossi for what another, six years. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Huso's under contract for another three. You know, you just yeah. went out and acquired Ryan McDonough for four for another four years. You know, you re you re-upped Matthias Ekholm for four years. Um, you know, it wouldn't have made sense to go out and do all those things and then not re-sign. You know, probably yeah. your best offensive player. Yeah, no, I I, I I'm not debating that. Uh, just um, yeah. They seem like a, a retool candidate. A lot of good pieces, not a lot of great pieces. Could they take a step back for a couple of years? And you know, um, and I don't and think that's what they're counting on. I don't think that's what no, they're I, counting on. No, I agree with you. I agree. Uh, Georgiev, Colorado, three years, 3.4 mil. Could have said shooter tutor, Colorado, three years, three million. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like they just won the Stanley Cup with a goalie who posted the worst save percentage of the, uh, of a cup winner in the cap era. Yeah. Um, they just, it, they don't need great. They don't need great. And you, why would you spend term and a lot of money on goaltending when you really, you, you don't, you don't need great goaltending. You just need someone like what Darcy Kemper did. Just stop the puck. I mean, you know, they out Tampa Tampa in game six. Uh, you know, they didn't let them touch the puck. So if you're not getting chances against and you're, you you know, you've got that kind of firepower, why would you go out and blow your brains on a goalie and, or, or, or for that matter, pay any substantial amount of money to keep Darcy Kemper when it really doesn't matter who you have in goal. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I mean, I would think that that's even maybe a little high for Georgiev, but obviously they're bringing him in to be a starter, so they're going to yeah. have to pay him as such. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, like, I don't disagree with you, right? Like, I, you know, I had to eat crow because I I said that Kemper wasn't good enough to get it done, and it didn't even occur to me that they could just simply not let him be shot on. It right. didn't occur to me that that was an option. If that's an option, then surely Kemper's good enough. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and in the salary cap era, I mean, Antti Niemi won a cup. Now, was uh, Chris Osgood, was he, he was right before the salary cap era, his cup. Yes, he did not yeah. win in 2000. He didn't win the cup in 2008. Who was yeah, there but. In 2008? Yeah, I don't you know. know. Yeah, he might have. The excellent goaltenders that are, are, are like the mediocre to bad goalies that win a cup. And when I say bad, I mean, you're starting goalie in the NHL, right? Like, let's <laughs> let's yeah. be honest with what we're saying yeah. here. But, you know, Chris Osgood should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's just that's just crazy talk. But <laughs> that's just crazy talk. But he actually, did, he actually did win a cup in the post in the uh, in the salary cap era and got to the final of a, of another one in. He won it in 2008 and got them to the final in 2009 with an 887 okay. save per, with an 887 save percentage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, my my point is to say that uh, you know winning with a bad goalie is an outlier, and I would not recommend trying it again. <laughs> um. Uh, moving on, Ricard Raquel, Pittsburgh, six years, five mil. Well, I mean, they've they've obviously made their. They've put their they've put their 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 uh, stake in the ground here, and you know they're still going to go for it. I, I don't I don't see where this how this team has any path to a Stanley Cup. They're just too old. Like I like them, and yeah. they've got good players, but their core is everybody is over thirty except for Jake Gensel, I think. Um, yeah. You know. Um, and and so I mean, if you're going to do that, and you go out and get Raquel at the deadline, and you and you you spend the assets that they spent, um, you certainly have to re-sign him, um, yeah. you know. And and so they did, and and uh, 
he's very, very good. I think, I think he's, I think he's going to fit in really nicely there and he's, he's going to be really, really productive there. He, he, uh, he adds a layer to the Pittsburgh Penguins that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Now that of course supposes that Crosby can once again, walk into the playoffs next year. And as he was maybe in the first round, be the best player in the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully Tristan Jari's not injured. Although I don't think that goaltending lost in the series. It doesn't help, right? Having your yeah. third string goaltender uh, start you through the whole series. Um, well, you know what though? Like, I mean, this team hasn't won a first round in five years. Yeah, but I mean, like last they year, the first felt like they had had the coming back the same. You know, everybody keeps talking about how Toronto does that, right? And yeah. so these guys keep coming back with the same people, and they haven't gotten out of the first round in five years. Yeah, yeah. I I, I certainly don't see where this team is going to surprise everybody and come up and and win a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, I I just don't see it. It's they're too old and they're and they've got too much mileage on them. Yeah, I mean, they they would they would need to find a way to all walk into the playoffs in pristine condition, you know. Yeah, and then uh, take off the the cellophane wrapper <laughs> and then play. But yeah. they they don't make the playoffs if if Crosby and Malkin and Latang are not grinding their way to it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Valerie Nichushkin, Colorado reups eight years. 6.125 mil. Ding, ding, ding. And you win the overpaid player of free agency award. Right. Yeah, no, no. I think I think that was, I think they got duped. I really do. I think he had a career year. Um, I knew somebody was going to overpay him. I wasn't sure it was going to be Colorado. Uh, but you know what? They want to keep their team together. He was outstanding in the playoffs. Um, good on him. You know, I mean, if you're going to have a career year and if you're going to be a stud in the playoffs, <laughs> do it do in it a contract year when you're coming up for unrestricted free agency. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, good on him. But uh, I, that's, yeah. well, that's an overpay, in my opinion, a very, very clear overpay. I don't know that that's as much of an overpay as I thought it was going to be. I think that this is a classic free agency overpay where if you gave me seven years, then I like the contract better. And if you gave me a mill off at 5.125, I like the contract better. Yeah. I don't know if it's as much of an overpay as I thought it was going to be in free agency. Um, we both fall on the side of Nichushkin being overrated myself a little bit less. So, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's the, uh, like you said, like you said, uh, about um, the Vegas Golden Knights midway through the year on a podcast. You said, it's not the Mark Stone contracts that sink you, yeah, right? It's the uh, it's the Evgeny Dodanov contracts that sink you. It's yeah. those mid-tier players that are very good and very useful, but you're just spending too much money on them. Exactly, because, you, you know, I mean, the, the model now is you devote a big percentage of your cap space to a couple of superstars, and then you have yeah. a middle class, and then you have a bunch of guys who are coming in on one-year deals or entry-level deals. Yeah. So uh, moving forward, Evgeny Malkin, Pittsburgh Penguins, four years, 6.1 mil. Yeah, great signing, I believe. Yeah, like uh, like he's still a point-of-game guy. I think yeah. he's still got something to give. I know that the health is an issue, um, but another guy who 
you know, I mean, legacy player. But, you know, I, now I think about it and it's like, yeah, I, like I just criticized them for bringing back all the same guys, right? And, you know, I mean, at some point you've got you've to break up the band, I think. Because, you know, I mean, the day of reckoning is coming in Pittsburgh. They are going to bottom out in a very, very serious way at some point. I keep thinking it's going to happen. I keep thinking it's going to be this year or next year, and it never is. But yeah. it will be. It will be. Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing that I'd say is that, look, you've got your top-end guys locked up at reasonable AAVs, right? You've got to find a way, just like what we were talking about, you've got to find a way to clear out some of your mid-level players and and bring in better mid-level players because you've got, like, he's making the same AAV as Nachushkin, Malkin is, yeah. right? So yeah. if Malkin... And Crosby's still making eight point seven five. I think he's still on that contract. Yeah, if, yeah. if 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 uh, Crosby and Malkin are rounding out like the top end, and I guess Latang as well, are rounding out the top end of your roster, surely that gives you all kinds of money to actually make that mistake that GMs make and spend on those mid range players. Like that's a luxury that they should have, and they should be able to get a very quick. But they've, you know, they've, got, they've got some guys like you talk about those mid-range guys. I mean, Brian Rust, I think yeah. that's too long and too much money. You know, yeah. you know, they they've got some guys tied up. They've got some 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 mid-level guys tied up for money that that is not commensurate with what they contribute. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's but that's my point is that they should be they they should be figuring out a way to cycle that through. And if it costs them every draft pick, then that might be the like like you said. When is the window going to be closed? You know, this is kind of like the whole, like, every day is a gift thing, right? I, I didn't see, I, see but I, I would argue the window is closed. I would argue the window is closed. Um, I, I just, you know, I mean, FP3 34, yeah. Chris Letang 35, Brian Dumoulin 30, Jan Ruda yeah. 31, you know, Brian Russ 30, Zucker 30. Malkin yeah. 35, you know, Sidney Crosby 34, Jeff Carter 37. You know, I, I, ju- I would argue that window is closed. I, I don't think this team is a Stanley Cup team, but um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so I don't know what kind of a silver tongued devil Evander Kane is, but he re ups in Edmonton at four years, 5.125 mil per. Yes, he does. Um, that's that's probably two years longer than anybody would want. Um, but you've got to get the player back, right? He was one of the best players. He was one of the most productive players in the NHL. Uh, he was on a he was on what a 40, 45 goal pace. Uh, was very very good in the playoffs. I think Edmonton needs to kind of keep that positive momentum going, and yeah. this was a good way to do it. And you know they didn't have to give him term. Um, and I think he realized that he was in a pretty good situation in Edmonton again, you know, the, 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 the fear is, is that, is that, um, you know, I mean, this could go sideways anytime under any circumstances and can go, you know, it could happen very, very quickly. Um, you would hope that I, I see, I always think, you know, if you can't, if you, if you can't play in in a culture like the san jose sharks had created yeah then i I really worry about whether or not you can fit in anywhere yeah 
I, 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 you know, I would hope that the Oilers are, are, are going to keep him in line. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, what's to, what's to stop him from two years from now, once a team, you know, if the team starts losing and he wakes up in January and it's dark out all the time and it's freezing and, you know, that sort of thing, that that's what I would worry about. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, I, I guess the thing is, is that I just, I didn't think that any team in the NHL, and once again, I've overestimated uh, general managers in the NHL, but I just didn't think that any team would be willing to offer him more than a year, more than two years. Uh, and now the AAV would be a different situation because that of course would be more specific to the team, but I just didn't think that any team would be, would be willing to offer him more than one or two years with the fear that, you know, like you said, you're two years into the contract, you wake up mid January, things aren't going well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would think that like a team like, you know, Colorado or Tampa would be just being like, look, man, here's one year, here's 5 million bucks, uh, you know, take it or leave it. So I, I'm surprised that, uh, I'm surprised that Edmonton well, gave well, him. Don't, don't make any him. mistake here, Dylan. The, the Oilers are very fearful of that. They, or oh, they, I, yeah, of course they, they are. They, they, I think they go into this with open eyes, knowing that there is a, a definitive risk here. But, yeah. it, you know, does it outweigh the risk of losing the player and losing the momentum that you've created, partly yeah. because of what this player did uh, yeah. after, after he joined the team? I mean, you know, he was a huge part of that whole turnaround in Edmonton. Um, you know, after they had that just god awful yeah. month and a half, yeah. um, and you know he was part of he was part of he was part of the solution in every way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. so, you know, I mean you have yeah. to you have to you have to take chances on guys like that. And I, I mean, I think guys get signed, GM sign guys, you know, to these deals, thinking, you know, if it's good in the first half of the deal, I'll deal with it being bad in the yeah. second half of the deal. Yeah. Claude Giroux, Ottawa, three years, 6.5 mil. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody talks about how Ottawa won free agency and is winning the summer, and this is a big reason why, obviously. Um, yeah. I like the player. I like I like the fact that they only got him for three years. I yeah. think it's, I think that's, a, that. like, all things considering, that's a, that's a good signing. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're close close no like i don't think they're close yeah um but um they're better they're they're better they're obviously better but remember every team in the east that made the playoffs this year had 100 points who are yeah, they gonna so, pass? who are they gonna pass <laughs> yeah so i mean Giroux doesn't drive the bus anymore mm-hmm he does not drive the bus like he used to. And, uh, but that being said, so I like, I like the contract. I like it a lot. Three years at 6.5 mil for drew. I thought that this guy was going to get overpaid, like the contract a lot, but, uh, it's, uh, I don't know what he offers to Ottawa, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know what gets offered there. I guess a little bit of leadership, a little bit of, you know, whatever. He's still, he's still a good player. He's yeah, he's a good point, player. He's still a point of game guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not disputing that, but I'm just saying that, like you know, Ottawa is not at a one Claude Giroux away kind of situation. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're still far. They're still far. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Ryan Strom, Anaheim, five years, five mil. The five, the five by five. Five by five for Ryan Strom. Well, I mean, that that's probably, you know, that's probably market value for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been, he's been a very good player in, in New York. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, in Anaheim, they're, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to be, you know, they're trying to move forward here. And this is a guy that I think helps them in a lot of ways. Like he's obviously a good offensive player, brings some, brings some pedigree with him. you know, brings some experience with him. So yeah, good signing. Yeah. So the interesting uh, side of that then is that with the money that the Rangers saved, they go out and sign Trocek to seven years times 5.635 million. Right. For a 29 year old. I think, yeah, that's a bit of an overpay. Um, I thought, I mean, like my thought was, how much better is Trocheck than Strom? Uh, he's better. No, I I know he's better. How yeah, yeah. much better was my question? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I anyways, mean, he's a, he's a perennial twenty goal, fifty point guy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he he's he slots in pretty well on that team. You know, that team plays a plays the kind of of um style that i think would suit him very well that puck pursuit you know move it keep keep you know high tempo sort of thing so um he'll fit in there for for the first like again for the first half of that contract i think he'll be fine um i would be worried about the later years of that contract but i don't think anybody worries about the later years of contracts anymore they just realize that it's a it's a cost of doing business. You know, if you want yeah. the guy, you gotta, you gotta pay the guy and yeah. you gotta give him term. And then you hope yeah. the salary cap goes up and then you hope that Arizona stays Arizona and keeps taking your, your, <laughs> your, uh, you know, bad old players to get up to the cap and you move on. Yeah. Uh, something tells me that won't be the case very soon, but say la vie. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying about Trocheck. you know, good player, decent AV. Definitely going to be a real stinker. Not like normally you think it's going to be a stinker for one or two years. This one could be three or four years, really. Uh, Mikheyev goes to Vancouver for four years at 4.75 mil. Well, I sure hope they're not. I sure hope they're not calculating his salary by goals because, um, yeah. yeah, because this guy has, this guy has the worst hands I've seen since Jonas Hoagland. Um, actually that's, that's kind of, that's a bit, that's a bit harsh. He was actually really good in the second half, uh, brings, obviously brings a lot of speed. Um, good payday for him. Um, you know, joins, joins an organization where he'll get a a real opportunity to, um, to play a, to play a meaningful role. And I mean, Toronto wasn't going to, you know, Toronto wasn't going to sign him at that. They couldn't and they wouldn't. And, and, you know, so good for him for getting it. But again, that's your that's your mid tier player, overpaying yeah. on the mid tier player, and, yeah, like and that's he, what yeah. Toronto can't can't even afford to make that mistake, right? Right. No, they can't. Yeah. Uh, Chernak, Tampa Bay, eight years, five point two mil. Well, you know, you get rid of Ryan McDonough, so you've cleaned out what six and a half right there. Um, yeah. You know that that one's. I mean, I think you got to look at it as a collective. You know, you got to look at it in the context of. You know this the Sorelli signing and the um, um, Sergachev signing, yeah, yeah. Um, and when you look at it that way, it's you know it's pretty obvious that 
you know, they're making making a commitment to this group and to their fan base that they want to keep this thing together. Uh, it took them a long time to get that defense core to where they wanted it. You know, yeah. now it's not now it's not where they wanted it because they don't have McDonough anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's still very very good. And uh, you know, I mean, that's that's a long contract for for him, but um, he's a big guy. He's physical. You know, I mean, if he just is that guy that kind of plays on your four to six range and, you know, yeah. is more of a shutdown guy, then they're going to get what they want from him. So let's 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 go through those three then. Cernak, eight years, 5.2. Sergachev, eight years, 6.25. And Sorelli, eight years, 6.25. Sorelli, uh, 6.25. Sergachev, 8.5. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. Eight years. yeah, yeah All three yeah. of them, eight years. Uh, you know, Sergachev famously was on the third pairing last year, but obviously we all know that he's not a third pairing defenseman, truth be told. Uh, I mean, that's that's essentially, Sorelli like, is a center, obviously, but that's essentially the, their team's defense right there because Sorelli right. is, you know, a defensive center, to say the least. Um yeah, they definitely have said this is how they're going to run it back for a very long time. Right. Point has six years left, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he signed his eight-year deal two years ago. I could be wrong. But uh, they've definitely, to your point, they've said uh, this is this is the group and we're going to do it. And, and you know what? In fairness, all three of those guys are sure bets at this point. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what you're are. getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you're not, you're not, I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't, um, you can't project for injuries. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, that's something that you, you can't control. But uh, if those guys all stay healthy, I mean, Anthony Sorelli is a perennial, I think now you can say he's a perennial um, Selkie candidate, you know, and will yeah. be for a long, long time. And yeah, he's on the radar know, now. Yeah. So, I mean, they, I yeah. think they, I think they like where they're at. I think they, they think this team has, you know, a real opportunity to, you know, be very, very good for a long time. You know, I mean, you've still got Hedman for three years, you've got Stamkos for two more, and then he'll probably come off the books, you know, but yeah. you've still got Kucherov, you know, you know, you've got point for a long time. You've, you know, yeah. you've signed Nick Paul to that long-term deal. Um, That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. And Vasilevsky, of course, best goalie in the world. You've got him for another, what, six years? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Six or seven. So, uh, going on to, uh, from that to the more hilarious, Ben Sherratt in Detroit, four years, 4.75 mil. <laughs> that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a polarizing one, isn't it? You know what? Uh, it's not that big of a raise on what he was making. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a million dollars a year raise on what he was making. But because uh, I think that he signed like 3.85 in Montreal for four years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if if my memory serves. But yeah, I, you know, with what Detroit's building there, you know, one of these is not like the others. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. But I mean, he does give you some veteran presence. He obviously gives you a lot of physicality. Um, I just feel like. You don't, no, no, no. Hang on, Ken. You just, in a nice way, said he's big and old. Yeah. 
Well, that's why he's 31. And and like I was going to say, I, I was yeah. just about to say, I just get the feeling with Ben Chirot that when it drops off, it's it's not going to be gradual. It's not going to be, you know, over a period of time and, and he sort of plays his way out. It's going to be like precipitous and quick and ugly. Yeah. You know <laughs> and what? And, so- and you might be right because he's a decent skater and he relies a lot on his skating and, uh, and if once that goes, uh, the many and glaring mistakes that he makes all the time will become <laughs> many, many, many more. and glaring mistakes. <laughs> well, but the thing is that he makes many and glaring mistakes, but he's actually got a decent pivot and a really good acceleration. So he makes a mistake at the blue line. Maybe a shot gets on net. Maybe something happens, but he's he's right there. Yeah. If he loses that. It's over. Every single mistake is in the back of the net. Yeah. You know? Uh, So going on a run on Detroit players, Detroit really uh, got a little frisky here. Andrew Kopp, five years, 5.625 mil. Like the the contract, um, not sure about the term. Um, You know, a local kid. um, And, you know, I mean, a guy who can step in and be what? What number, number what center for them, you know? Yeah, uh, ideally two, but probably one in their case for right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a good player. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue with the term. I think, I think that the cop signing is good. The Schrott signing is, yeah, you know, but I don't think it's like, it's, I don't think that it's uh, um, terrible. I'm not losing, I wouldn't be losing my hair over it if I was a Detroit fan. Yeah. And uh, and then the David Prawn signing, Detroit, two years, four point seven five mil. Yeah, uh, well, Cop is going to be the number two center, obviously, behind Larkin. I mean, Larkin's their number one center, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then you've got maybe Pius Suter or whatever. So he fa- he falls in nicely into that number two slot, which is probably yeah. the best place for him. Um, yeah. David Prawn. Uh, you know, I mean, I-, I can't believe that St. Louis didn't bring this guy back. Um, yeah, warrior, me too. warrior kind of guy, uh, you know, really can really, really help a power play, uh, low risk signing only two years. Um, I mean, there's a full, I think no move and no trade. Um, but that, that shouldn't worry anybody too much. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think that's a, that's a great pickup. Yeah. So Detroit, obviously, uh, flying their flag and saying the rebuild is, if not completely over, we're on the other side of it. Yeah. To quote Winston Churchill, this is not the beginning of the end, but merely the end of the beginning. It's actually the beginning of the beginning, isn't it? All right. Well, whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, <laughs> again, though, I'm not sure I see that, you know, that the rebuild is over. Like, yeah. You know, to, to but to go out and to drop 15... Let, let's see here. Four, nine, 13 million bucks, 14 million bucks in free agency yeah. on three players. Normally is an indication that if the rebuild is not completely over, we are, we are planning on making a push for the playoffs. And I, and I don't think that they make the playoffs in the division that they're in, but I think that they make yeah, no, I don't push, either, pushes I don't here. Either, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it's an indication that you had a lot of cap space, you know, I mean, and, and we don't, <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, we don't see that anymore. We don't see yeah. any, we don't, and they, and they still got like almost like they've still got about 10 million in cap space. So 
they yeah. can still go out and make another splash, you know? Yeah. As a but now you have a center ice core. Now you have a center ice core with Dylan Larkin as your number one, Cop as your number two, Andrea as your number three. Yeah. Uh, Jack Campbell, Edmonton Oilers, five years, five mil per. To the surprise (laughs) of no one. (laughs) Yeah, to the surprise of no one, exactly. Um, Yeah, I I mean, they missed out on Jacob Markstrom, right, last year? Edmonton, yeah. they thought they had him. It would have been perfect. Um, yeah. You know, they they probably would have, they probably you know would have not been in the spot they were in at all last year if they had had, you know, even decent goaltending. Um, yeah. You know, they obviously had to, you know, and and you said it. I mean, the goalie market was pretty thin. Uh, there wasn't a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot to choose from. Yeah, and Campbell was not going to budge on his five years at five million. His body of work doesn't suggest that he deserves that. He right. hasn't been a number one, a true number one goalie with any sort of consistency ever, including last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, that's a real gamble, a real roll of the dice, yeah. um, and we'll see how it turns out. Um, but I mean, the Oilers can, like a lot of these teams, can score their way out of a lot of the tr- troubles that they that they get themselves into. And, and I mean, we've seen absolute crystal clear, perfect examples of that yeah. Yeah. last year and in the playoffs. Uh, Campbell, he to me, he was the best goalie on the market. Yeah. Uh, that's not saying a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I like him. I do. But um, yeah. But that being said, you know, like Markstrom signed for five by six and Markstrom had a, a Vesna nomination under his belt. Right, right. So Campbell signing by five by five, another year of another flat cap or more or less flat cap, more so a tighter financial situation and signing for almost as much money. Uh, Markstrom being younger when he signed, Campbell being older when he signed. It's just, yep. it's crazy to me, but it really just shows how uh, how squeezed the goalie market was. Uh, and speaking of squeezed goalie markets, Campbell wasn't the most highly paid goaltender. Darcy Kemper, Washington Capitals, five years, 5.25 mil. Well, I, I mean, he was going to get that somewhere, right? Sure, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I mean, again, he's just, he's just like, he is good. He is good. Right. He's not a bad goalie and he's not, but he's not a great goalie. He's not a, a goalie who steals games for you. He once was maybe that kind of guy, but he's not anymore. Yeah. Five years at 5 million. Um, that's, you know, I mean, for a guy that's, got a Stanley cup ring and that was the going rate. And ob- obviously Washington, you know, had issues with their goaltending um, yeah. last year. And they think that this is a guy that can come in and bring some stability. I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure about that, but um, again, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good enough. Honestly, like if I, if I were a general manager, I, I would, I would either, pay one of the top three goalies in the league any amount of money that they wanted, a la Andre Vasilevsky. Or 
I would never be paying a goalie over like 3 million bucks. Right. Because well, honest, because after the top three goalies in this league, after your Vasilevsky, after your Shesterkin, Shesterkin, uh, Markstrom to an extent. I mean, I know, think Thatcher Demko might get into that conversation. Um, yeah, there's there's a few things that concern me about Thatcher Demko, but I, I they're not not overcomable. Like, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, but after the top few guys, you really just you don't know. No, you don't. You're guessing. You're totally guessing. I mean, I mean, not. I I wouldn't go as far as to say guessing, but I'd say that police aren't guessing right now. Okay, look, they're not just. They're just. They're just praying and hoping, and you know, you know, doing the rosary every day, and and uh, you know, I mean, they're just. They are just. They're just hoping against hope. When goaltenders and I've and I've talked to a few goalies that have that have gone through this when they retire from whatever pro or, or, you know, wherever they were playing. Right. I talked to one goalie that played, uh, uh, college collegiate here. And, and he said, he said that when he went to playing beer league, he, he was a sieve. He couldn't stop a puck. Wow. And it's because it is so hard for a goaltender to greatly overperform their defensive situation. Mm. Which means that, you know, if I've got a team that's poor defensively, I would not sign a goaltender as the solution right. to that poor defensive team, right? And so my my point is, is that once you get out of those top three or top four goaltenders that are just absolute freaks of nature, they just, it doesn't matter how they play, what team they play on, it doesn't matter. They're stopping pucks, right? Yeah. I, once you get out of those guys, then you're at a situation where it's like sign your league average goalie to as little money as possible, and then build the defense and build a situation that they can perform in, right? Elvis right. Merzlikens was like considered the next great thing when uh, Columbus was playing well defensively. And then they stopped playing yeah. well defensively and he fell apart like a cheap chair. Why right. Why did that happen? Are, are we going to turn around and say that Merzlikens is a completely different person today as he was yesterday? Probably not, right? So uh, yeah, I just I I would not be paying for these for these mid mid range uh, expensive goaltenders. Uh, moving forward, Johnny Gaudreau, the least surprising one of this. Uh, oh, yeah, that was signing that period. Yeah, everybody called it Columbus Blue Jackets seven years, nine point seven five mil. Can, can I can I tell you quickly what this what this says to me? What does it say? Teams are scared of hitting that $10 million marker. Okay. They don't want to do it. Well, they would have done it in Calgary. Yeah. I probably would have done it in Calgary. I mean, he had an offer there that was better than anywhere he could have gone, gone, including, you know, including back home. Um, I mean, this one, this one is, is, you know, I don't know why he did it. You don't know why he did it. A lot of people don't know why he did it. Um, but that doesn't mean he was stupid for doing it. I mean, no, you know, I mean, he had a choice, he had a choice and he made his choice and he, he sort of justified it by saying, well, it's closer to home, but it's not too close to home, which is kind of, you know, when you think about it, that's actually some fairly sound logic. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering, I was wondering if him and Eric Branson weren't like clandestine, like best buddies or something. Because they both signed with Columbus, and and 
Erica Branson got a lot more money than he probably should have. Yeah. Did you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? I did. He was discussing where he wanted to buy his house. And he's like, so this is my parents' house. And he's like, anything within this circle, you know, is like my parents will come over all the time. Anything outside of this circle, and he draws like a larger circle, then they become overnight guests. So the right. trick is, is that this little, this little belt, that's the Goldilocks zone. That's where we want to buy a house where they won't be able to come over all the time, but they won't stay overnight. But they won't stay overnight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's yeah. the two, not close to home, but not too close to home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good on Columbus. I don't really see what it does for their team, to be honest. Like I just like again, I don't, I don't, don't think, see how don't that team Johnny, is being. You don't think Johnny Gaudreau feeding uh, feeding Patrick Line is going to be uh, something that helps Columbus? Right. I mean, that's if they've got Patrick Line next year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you made an well, assumption there, my friend. They'll have him next year. They'll have him next year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know. I just Columbus is one of these teams where. I really just don't know what they're trying to do here. Right? I well, really I just don't know I think what, what they're trying, trying to do in terms of identity or... I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to prove that it's a place where players should want to come and play. I mean, this is this is a complete and utter... Yeah, just go and ask Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, well, this is a complete 180 from what has transpired over the yeah. past few years with this team. Like, think about this yeah. team. They lost... They lost Artemi Panarin. They lost Sergei Bobrovsky. They lost Matt Duchesne. They lost Seth Jones. They lost Pierre uh, um, Pierre Luc Dubois. They've lost. Yeah. You know, I mean, at some point you've got to say, "Hey, we're going to grab one of these guys." You know, yeah. and I yeah. mean, when you have a guy of that talent level who's had that kind of year, who's still only twenty eight, I think yeah. you, you you know you kind of you kind of sign him, and then you then you worry about building around him. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, like, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. I, uh, uh, the fact that that was his career year also a little bit concerns me about Goudreau, but I could be wrong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Terry Colorado avalanche re-ups five years, 4.5 mil. Um, yeah, I think that could be one of those ones that is just, that's one of those mid range ones that is great. <laughs> like that's a, yeah. great, that's a great deal. That's I the mean, exception to the rule. Guy scores big goals. He plays hard. He can, he can chip in offensively if you need him to he'll he's low maintenance. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like, I mean, that's, that's a GM's dream right there is to get a guy like a Terry Lackanen on a long-term deal at $4 million. Um, yeah. that's, that's just, that's just, you know, chef's kiss for, you any- know, the, the term that gets way overused on Twitter and, and I'm going to use it right now because, uh, that I, I, I reserved it for this exact signing. That's a tidy bit of business. It is a tidy bit of business. Yep. 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 So sick of that term, but I had to reserve it for the artillery <laughs> Lekkonen one. <laughs> Uh, here's an interesting one. Andre Palat, New Jersey, five years, uh, six million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if, um, you know, I mean, he was, uh, I think he was kind of New Jersey's consolation prize for not getting Johnny Gaudreau. Cause I think they really thought they were, well, they were in on him for sure. I think yeah. they thought they had a very, very good chance of getting him. So that's yeah. kind of the consolation prize. 
Um, yeah. And, and well, know, more I, what interested me is that it wasn't really that much term and money. Right. It was still more term and money, or well, it was still more money than Tampa Bay could 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 offer uh, on a long term deal. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm saying is that it, it wasn't a ton of term and money, and so you really wonder. I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is Tampa Bay signing Sorelli to that contract and uh, and then letting Palat walk. Right. It's that's interesting. That was an interesting one to me. Not to me. Not to me. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have to let one of those guys go, you're gonna keep Anthony Sorelli and let and let uh, and let Andre Palat walk seven days a week. In my opinion. Uh, okay. All right. Oh yeah, no. Anthony Sorelli is an elite defensive player in this league. He's going to be a Selkie Trophy winner. He is. Yeah. yeah I, I. I. I think. I think that that's that's one that you do seven days a week. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, no, but I mean, it, it depends on what you value in a player, right? Because Palat brings a lot to the table, yeah. and so that proves that uh, Brisebois. Um, you know, values what you value in a player with that elite defensive player in Sorelli. Uh, finally, last one to look at Josh Norris signs his big one in Ottawa, eight years, 7.95 million. Yep. Boy, what a that Eric Carlson trade is looking better and better for Ottawa all the time, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the prospect in that trade. And, uh, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason why, um, everybody thinks Ottawa did so well this summer, right? I mean, yeah. they, they got rid of Matt Murray. They got Max Talbot. Wow. That's an upgrade. Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot. Max Talbot. Yeah. If I'm a Leafs fan, I'm so pissed about that. I can't believe that. Uh, yeah, I can't either. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, obviously a, you know, along with a core group of young guys of which they thought Colin White was going to be a part, but it turns out he's not, um, you know, core player, um, and, and in Ottawa, you have to lock up those guys, you know, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't let them do the, do the bridge and then, and then yeah. get to 26, 27, and yeah. then they're in the prime of their career. You know, I, I, yeah. 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 Uh, what this says to me is Ottawa says to Josh Norris, we like you almost as much as Montreal likes Nick Suzuki and Norris yeah. says how much almost. And they say about $50,000 less. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> a year that being right. said <laughs> all right know, course of eight years that's 400 grand buddy <sighs> I, I wouldn't say no to an extra 400 grand <laughs> uh all right so check out kencampbell.substack.com check out uh the Hockey Podcast Network. Check us out on YouTube, Hockey Unfiltered. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, like, subscribe, all that great stuff. Leave comments. We read them. We love them. Uh, we laugh at them sometimes. We love even 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 the trolls kind of give us a chuckle if they're clever enough. But the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. 
With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's time to uh, to switch over into a more serious subject, um, which is the ongoing situation with Hockey Canada. Now, Ken, you've written several articles recently uh, about this about this situation, and here is there's a trigger warning, content warning. We are not going to be messing around with our terminology mm-hmm. and so that being said feel free to turn off now but here it goes the alleged gang rape by members of team canada i have a few questions for you about uh some of the statements released and some of the things coming out as okay. you've been reporting on it Okay. Uh, my one question is, do you think that the uh, perpetrators were necessarily uh, members of Team Canada? Because there seems to be some openness in the language that suggests that they could have just been playing in the CHL and being there for the gala and not being members of Team Canada. Okay, well, the alleged perpetrators... Um, not perpetrators, but the alleged perpetrators. Me, yeah. Um, I think I don't think there's any doubt that some some of them were members of Team Canada. Right. Um, there is the possibility that some of them were not. Uh, yeah. They were all CHL players. Two of them were born in 1999. Six of them were born in 1998. We know that from the statement of claim that was filed by the victim, the alleged yeah. victim. Um. So yeah, I mean, they were there were members of that team that were involved in something um whether that was consensual or not is open to interpretation uh you know what exactly happened and and, uh, you know we we are no closer to knowing in fact we're probably further away from knowing um you know what actually happened uh whether or not it was it was it was uh, consensual um you know who was involved and 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 all those sorts of things we're further away from the truth than we probably were you know a week or two ago the the waters have been muddied, mm-hmm. I, and I and I agree with you. And that actually brings up uh, my next real question on this, and then we can launch into the more generalized discussion. Um, in several of the statements, I'm I'm looking now at the at the statement that in your one of your later articles, uh, you released yesterday on Dylan Dubé, for example. Yeah. The quote is, Dylan did not engage in any wrongdoing. Right. And he cooperated fully with the independent London Police Service investigation, yada, yada. But wrongdoing is a broad term. Oh, that yeah. It could I- mean that they're suggesting that 
he was an alleged perpetrator. Uh, but to your point, it was consensual. Well, I mean, there have been players who have come out and said, I was not part of this. I was not there. Right. I did not witness it. You know, that's that's far different from saying I was, you know, X player was cleared of wrongdoing. Yeah. I mean, so so what you know, what the, the agent or, or, you know, what the what the lawyer is saying in that respect is, yeah, he was cleared of any wrongdoing. They said that about Kale Clegg. And, but they didn't um, say cleared of wrongdoing. Yeah, they no, said, they did. Say, did I, think, I think they did say cleared of wrongdoing. I think they did say they were cleared of any wrongdoing because there were no charges laid, obviously, right? The quote is, Dylan did not engage in any wrongdoing. Read it to the end, though. Uh, and he cooperated fully with the Independent London Police Service Investigation 2018, through which all players were then cleared of any wrongdoing. Okay, fair enough. I'm yeah, sorry. So they, he's saying they were cleared of wrong any wrongdoing. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I mean, there's some ambiguity there for sure. Yeah. There's still some puzzle pieces to put together here. Yeah. Um, and, and the wild card in all of this, again, is that, you know, it says in the statement of claim that the players were CHL players who included but were not restricted to the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team. So it's really impossible to say who was and who wasn't involved, Um, you know, unless a player, you know, I mean, even if a player comes out and says he wasn't involved and he didn't, you know, I mean, we're taking his word at it, right, at this moment. So, you know, there are players who are getting out in front of this. There are players who are getting out in front of this. Yeah. And they are, you know, they're, they are saying, which is what I wanted to suss out two months ago when I started, you know, sort of calling around. I, I got in touch with every, very shortly after this happened, I got in touch with every agent um, of every player and asked that question. I asked three questions. I said, number one, did your, you know, did your, did your client um, participate in the investigation? Number two, if so, what would what did he tell investigators? And number three, is there anything that your client wants to put on the record about this? Yeah, um, I'm sorry. There's a noise on your end, Ken. Oh, oh just, it stopped. It's just my phone. Buzzing. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, um, you know, yeah. yeah so, so, um, and I heard back from I think five or six of the eight. You know, twenty-two. There, there's an argument, in it, and it and it's used a lot, oftentimes in policing, and it's used to the detriment of society to say. Uh, you know, if you're not, if you're not guilty, then you have nothing to hide. Right. right? And, and that's often used, you know, to justify police shakedowns and stuff like this, that obviously, um, you know, really infringe on our civil, civil liberties and our, you know, but in a situation like this, where it's public and you're talking about eight players out of a, a large team and an even larger group of potential players, what you're doing is is in my to to my eyes or to my opinion offering the option for players to say to to clear their names to not have to be besmirched by uh you know by this uh this this allegation this horrific allegation and and to clear their names now i've i've got another question which is uh in some of these statements that lawyers are releasing, do they count as 
a sort of affidavit, if you will, in the sense that uh, if a player releases a thing that says, I did not, I was not involved in any incident that night. And then for example, and then, and then it comes out that they were, is there a perjury element to this? Are there more legal ramifications to that? No, there's nothing. Cause it's, I mean, it's not admissible evidence. It hasn't been cross-examined. It hasn't been, he hasn't been deposed. He's, okay. he's just putting it out there in the public forum. You know? So that like, yeah. that's been an important question that I've seen come up again and again, because of course, when people are, are, are yeah, dubious of seeing that yeah. statement, their question is then, it, uh, it, you know, would the, would anything go wrong for that player if if that statement comes out as false? Well, in the in the court of public opinion, things could go very very wrong. If well, player, it wouldn't go more wrong than than yeah. If the player's know. being ingenuous, then yeah. Then in the court of public opinion, things could go yeah. very very wrong for that player. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, when I started to 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 sort of dig into this, it was with that in, in the spirit of you know, why should everybody have to wear a scarlet letter here? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my whole sort of like, I'm never, I'm never going to write about any of these guys until I figure out who did it. Like, I'm not going to go writing some, you know, in-depth feature praising the, you know, the, the, the merits of player X without knowing for sure whether or not he was involved. And I, I think, I think it's, you know, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. I mean, we're going to find out what happened. I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's, you know, I mean, this, you know, Hockey Canada really, really could not have handled this any worse than they did. Yeah. Um, regardless of what it was, running the gamut from nothing <laughs> happened, yeah. like absolutely nothing, and it was totally fabricated, to gang rape, they could not have handled this any worse. And my point that I wrote about this week is the culture of silence is to blame. You yeah. know, the culture of secrecy that surrounds this game is to blame. Yeah. Um, you know, Hockey Canada wanted this to go away, whether it had merit or not. And it and and it I've been told that they paid the paid out the full amount, the three point five five million dollars, spent four hundred thousand dollars on an investigation that went basically nowhere. That they canceled. Um, yeah, yeah. Well it's they, it's they cut it short now, but it's reestablished now. But but they, you know, I mean, they did this without any due process without giving any players any opportunity to defend themselves. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and when you're a, when you're a, when you're a, uh, uh, you know, a public institution as hockey Canada is that receives public funding from governments and receives all the sponsorship money, there's gotta be way more accountability than that. And no matter, you know, no wonder they didn't go through their insurance. I'm sure they're in, you know, I mean, their insurance would have vigorously, any insurance company would have vigorously contested this and at least tried to get to, um, you know, the root of the matter to see if it had any merit. Yeah. Now you wrote in an article yesterday, actually, and uh, I thought it was very fascinating. The, because of course we all know that a certain amount of nepotism happens in really any industry, to be honest. In but, hockey, it's pretty it's pretty prevalent in hockey, yeah. Well, you wrote some some very interesting connections between the insurance company and Hockey yeah. Canada. Right. Yeah. Well, the the former VP of insurance and and uh, insurance basically for Hockey Canada was a guy by the name of Glenn McCurdy. He has since retired, um, but at the time he was Hockey Canada's insurance guy and the guy who, quite frankly, would settle these claims. He's 
he settled this one and you know numerous others uh with with people uh over yeah. the years um and i mean his daughter is is employed by the company that is hockey canada's insurer and she's a claim right. what they call a claims team specialist right. so she's working on claims right yeah um you know at the very least that's a horrible that's horrible optics at the very least yeah you know at the very least even if there's no impropriety whatsoever there's no no suggestion of impropriety if she recused herself or whatever yeah that's horrible optics right there yeah and yeah. i mean it's that kind of thing that to me is part of the the, the culture of hockey it's that it's you know i mean like hockey seems to view itself as this entity unto itself that can take care of its own problems on its own terms and don't stick your nose in. We'll take care of it. And when that happens, I think you get things like this, this occurring. There used to be uh, a common expression and, and it was common and then it was sort of lampooned for a little while and now it's not used at all. And the expression was, uh, well, he's an artist. He lives by different rules mm -hmm. or an artist lives by different rules. Right. And, um, and then, you know, and then the Me Too movement came out, right? And that was where I think that the death of that expression really happened. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember hearing that expression ever right. since Me Too. And there was this all of a sudden realization by just how different the rules that a lot of people in Hollywood, quote unquote, artists thought that they lived by. And, uh, and there was a, like a, a watershed moment and, and what really was the most important part about Me Too, in my opinion, was not just uh, be, uh, beyond the obvious most important part, which is the, the empowering and, and the normalizing of people to step forward under these circumstances when we live in a society where almost 90% of all sexual assault uh, uh, goes unreported, right? But what was so important was this understanding that there was a system in place a systemic issue that uh, enabled these people in power to, to do this. Right. And so even if it wasn't like specifically like we're creating a system to, you know, do this, but that cone of silence, that too big to fail, that whole thing was enabling people to do this. And so what we're now seeing and, and why I'm a little bit uh, optimistic about this in, in hockey's case, with both the Chicago Blackhawks and Team Canada now, we have now have a situation where we're no longer just saying, well, it's just a few bad apples. Oh, you know, uh, uh, boys will be boys. You know, we, we, we no longer have a situation. We now have the alleged perpetrators seem as though they will be held to account once this is all shaken out. And the people at the top, the people in power that enabled, turned a blind eye and paid off in order to make this all just go away will also be held to account. Yeah. And, and we are now entering a situation where if you are the assistant GM, if you are the director of player personnel, if you are a not top, but not middle management, you know, kind of upper echelon management and you're privy to something for a team, not just for your own moral compass, 
but for your own self-preservation, right? you need to say something. You need to call the police. You need to make sure that you have crossed every T and dotted every I in order to, you, you know, in order to uh, do your due diligence in that well, situation. It's, it's basically a matter of, of doing the right thing being forced upon people now. You know what I mean? Like, like for right. a lot of us, it's just a matter of, well, that's what you would do. I wouldn't think twice that's, about that's it. The right thing to do. Like, yeah. that, but, but, but now it's now people are being forced into a position where they have to do the right thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and, and so, yeah, maybe this is a watershed moment. It might be, it may very yeah. well be. Um, yeah. This might be the time of reckoning for this game and this sport and how it treats some people and how it, how it, you know, and to me, the whole, you know, I, 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 to me, these things fester and grow and thrive in the dark, you know, yeah. it's, they're like vampires, right? You bring it under the light and it, it cuts down, it, it, it really loses a lot of its power. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's, that's the bit, like, I mean, the toxic mas- masculinity in this sport is, you know, and I'm sure it's in other sports, but I don't care about other sports. I don't care about other pursuits. This is what I live in. Yeah. You know, it's the toxic mas- masculinity in hockey is is certainly the problem. Yeah. But I think it's what drives that and what allows that to manifest itself is yeah. the real problem. And that is the culture of secrecy. That's the power imbalance that you have, you know, between between, you know, the, the people who who uh, who run the game and those who are trying to, you know, establish themselves in the game um i think those are the real sort of uh, inequities that have to be addressed here rather than you know i mean obviously that has to be addressed too but i think that one you know that that the incidents will will um will that there won't be as many if there's a lot more checks and balances in place in the first place i completely agree with you you know i i was having a conversation recently with uh uh, with a friend of mine who is another uh, coach in the city. And we were talking about the, this is actually before um, these, these allegations have come out, but we were talking about the anti-intellectualism that exists in hockey, but also in all sports in most sports, I should say. And, and this, and this idea that we've both coached kids that we know to be exceptionally bright gifted kids and 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 they just they they talk like 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 absolute idiots when because they just don't want to be different they don't want to stand out they don't want to be made fun of for being smart and there's this anti-intellectualism that exists in sports and i think it 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 breeds into that toxic masculinity because you know if if somebody is willing to dumb down their speech for the sake of fitting in then are they not going to be willing to, you know, beat their chests and act all macho for the sake right. of fitting in? And are they not going to be willing to turn a blind eye when they see, uh, when somebody says something uh, untoward in the change room for the sake of fitting in? Like that's, that is the, is the system that exists right now. And the onus truly is on the coaches and from the top down to change that culture it, it, because we're talking about kids. We're talking, I'm talking about 14 year olds and 13 year olds, right? 
we're talking about kids and the onus is truly from the top down to change that culture and to nurture though that those those natural abilities in, in these athletes yeah well i just saw something on twitter today um and i, I can't remember some, i think it was somebody by the name of Ouellette, uh posted it today um his son was in a hockey camp and he asked for um he asked for uh, uh, pride tape, the, the multicolored tape for a stick um, yeah. because he wanted to support his sister for, for something, um, was pulled into the dressing room, uh, was, was um, you know, was, was, you know, doused with water and told to leave, you know, you, you gay boy or whatever. Um, that is a Twitter version what? of something that, have, that is alleged to have happened in the United States. And that was today. That was that was today. So uh, we've still got a long way to go. <laughs> I, I've I've I can honestly say I've never borne witness to anything that uh, anything like that. I I'd have a broken hand after bearing witness to something like that. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely out outrageous. Um, yeah, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to find it right now, and I, and I saw it this morning. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's. You know, it just you tells you that with every step forward, you know, there's there's always seems to be a step or two back. So now I don't know that there seems to be a step or two back. I'm 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 gonna play the perpetual optimist here. I think that with every step forward, there is more realization of how far there is to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because that's not a step back. Presumably that's already been happening. Right? The fact that that person now feels comfortable to put that on Twitter and to put that out in the world, that's, that's another step forward. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just playing the perpetual optimist here, but I, you know, obviously uh, stay tuned to Ken on, on Twitter, Ken underscore Campbell 27 and, and his Substack, stack kencampbell.substack.com because there's tons of articles coming out about this uh, constantly as it's such an evolving story. And, and like Ken just uh, said, it's, you know, the waters are being muddied right now. There is very, as you were writing in an article recently, there are very specific pieces of information being leaked by the different sides in order right. to yeah. uh, push an agenda or a narrative. And so there, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but I think, I think we'll wrap it up there. Right. Ken. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's yeah. probably where we want to. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you. If, if for those of you that stuck with us through this uh, less, less enjoyable half of the podcast, uh, check out at hockey, no filter on Twitter, check us out on YouTube, hockey unfiltered, check us out on hockey podcast network, check us out on Apple podcast, leave a review, like subscribe, leave comments on YouTube. We read them all. Love it. It's all good. Thank you. And hopefully we'll talk to you next week.